Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So, are these your notes? These. <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. Nailed it. It's a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my from? God, so many. <laughs> Perfect. What's she talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. Yeah. You heard it here first. Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie, and joining me today is best-selling crime thriller author Angela Marsons. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie. Hi, lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me. And I can't wait to see what questions you've got. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Let's let's start off right away with um, Detective Kim Stone, the protagonist of your ongoing series, soon to be 16 books strong. That I mean, what an amazing, uh, just to have, you know, a series of more than one book, I think is amazing. 16. That's crazy. How did it all start? Where did it all come from? Well, I mean, I've been writing for and, and submitting for many, many years, but I did spend an awful lot of time writing books um, with characters that I thought editors and agents would like um, and, you know, submitted for um, a very long time. And it was always, we like it, but we just don't um, love it. And that was always the response. But yeah. um all the time there was just this character in my head um, and I, I never let her out because I didn't like the sound of her, to be honest. She sounded incredibly rude and obnoxious. <laughs> and I thought, well, well, no, no, nobody's going to want to read about this person because she sounds horrible. Um, and then after so many years of, of rejection and I also wrote books set in areas that I didn't know very well because, again, I thought that they would be popular. And so with Silent Scream, I thought, well, I'm going to write the book that I want to uh, with the character, you know, that's in my head. And let's just see what happens. And it was my first try at a crime um, procedural. And wow. I fully expected to hit a wall at about 30,000 words um, or get caught up in plotting and pacing and all that. And I just went for it. And 90,000 words later, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's a book. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's got a reasonable storyline to it. So I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, it was probably at about 30,000 words that the pencil just – you know, completely went on a life, went on a journey of its own. Hmm. And I got to know this character more. So although, yes, she was quite rude and obnoxious and brusque, I also, as I was writing that first book, got to know the reasons, you know, why she was the way that she was. And other aspects of her personality, you know, then came out as I was actually writing the character so I suppose Silent Scream was a journey for both of us I got to know <laughs> and let's set free this character that had just been wittering on um you know in in my head for so many years and and 16 books later she still seemed to have a lot to say 
so we just keep going <laughs> yeah yeah and silent scream has sold over a million copies which is it has, again yeah. amazing and that's and it was was it published in 2015 it was yeah february uh, 2015 and uh, i mean when we first published that book um you know with bookature um i was asked what um, you know, if, if I had any expectation of sales, and I said, "Well, it'd be lovely if we sold about 500 <laughs> And you know, that was uh, Oliver, the person who, um, you know, who founded Bookature. Um, he said, "Well, his expectations were slightly higher, but probably not the, you know, extent that uh, we have sold the, um, you know, the 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 number of copies that we have for for that particular book so but what is lovely is that we've still got people um reading silent scream and discovering you know the books for the first time um and that's still happening now which is absolutely fantastic and of course if they do enjoy it they know that uh, you know they've got another 14 15 books yeah. um to read until they catch up so yeah it's it, it's done it's done a, a very good little job that book he has <laughs> yes it has and continues to do so so um you, you you sort of touched on that you you have been writing for a while you have been submitting and sort of going through the motions for a while it, it's interesting that you say and I, i've spoken to a lot of people on similar kind of things where they finally sort of make the breakthrough when they stop writing the things that they think people want to read or the things that they think the market wants and then they just write the thing that they're passionate about that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Because also I didn't um, I didn't base any of the books I've written previously in the black country thinking, well, nobody writes books about the black country. So, <laughs> you know, it's not a city. It's not sexy. It's not, you know, there's 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 nothing there that a reader's going to, you know, re- particularly want to read about. And I thought, yeah, but it's my area. It's an area that I know well. So I can write these books with authenticity and I, I understand the area. Yeah. And so when I when I wrote Silent Scream, it was like, I'm just going to do this my way. And whether or not that unleashed something you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in me, but it, it just, I think you, you have to put aside um, any expectations or what you think people want, not least because the market changes so rapidly. And also, you know, it's I always think about when Bridget Jones' diary came out and, you know, that was a huge smash. And, you know, I'm sure at that point most aspiring writers started writing a similar thing. Mm. Well, traditionally published authors would not then get a book out for another year, 18 months, and that fad has passed. Yeah. So trying to keep up with fashion in publishing isn't going to work because in traditional publish- publishing especially it's such a, a slow process but you know so you've got to stay true to yourself and and write something that you're passionate about passionate about and the idea that I had for Silent Scream and this is what I've done with every book since I always find a theme or subject that intrigues me or that I'm passionate about, or that I want to explore further, so that when I'm doing the research, I'm learning, you know, about these subjects as well. So, yeah. you know, that that's something that I do. Um, but it is important to stay true to what you do feel passionate about, and not not try to meet any expectations or, you know, um, 
anything from agents and, and publishers because I, I just don't think that works. So it didn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> it did yeah. 25 yeah. years and it didn't work for me. Yeah. So so 25 years. So you you have been writing for a very long time. What what were you sort of initially writing? You said this was your first crime procedural. So what were you sort of what yeah. did you start off trying to do and like what where did you end up sort of getting lost in the weeds of submitting and stuff? Well, I started off um, sort of like writing short stories and, mm-hmm. you know, that that kind of thing and submitting those to magazines. Um, and then I started writing women's fiction. Well, I, I think we, women's fiction is quite a broad term, um, but the first book I wrote, uh, which is now called The Forgotten Woman, was about two um, women, both alcoholics, but from very, very different backgrounds. And it's about a friendship that forms between the two of them based on, um, you know, a shared addiction. Um, And it was just an idea that, you know, I wanted to show how alcoholism, it it doesn't attach itself to any class or, you know, um, particular type of person. And, once I had that idea that was the book that you know I wanted to write so I I kind of wrote that kind of uh, book first before you know I turned to crime fictionally speaking yeah um but I always enjoyed reading crime uh lots of my favorites uh Val McDermott, Carol O'Connell, um Mm. Karen Slaughter so I always enjoyed reading crime I never thought that I could write a crime book because I didn't understand the plotting and the pacing and the red herrings and the um, the, the leaving clues and the twist. And that was why when I started Silent Scream, I had no idea when it, where it was going to go. Um, and I was as surprised as anybody is because as I was writing the book, that was when a lot of the things that I hadn't understood actually came to me. It wasn't planned. I didn't have it all plotted down and I still don't do that now. I have an idea and I know roughly where I'm going to start and now roughly where I'm going to end. And the whole middle is a bit of a blur and all gets worked out, worked out (laughs) in the second draft. So, but I find that the best ideas come to me as I'm actually writing. So, You know, a character will spur another storyline or a clue or some something like that. So that's what works for me. I know I probably should plan, but I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that a lot. And what I do find is because with with all things, they they often people often say the book is written in the redrafts or something to that effect. And a lot of the time, people that say that they don't plan, you do a draft, your first draft. And then kind of you go into the heavy redrafting phase. And a lot of time that first draft really is is just the plan. And you're going to change it so much by the time it kind of reaches its final form. That's exactly what I say, though, because I always call the first draft my stamp it. Yeah. Um, because I write by hand with pencils and eight foot notepads. And that is my time with the book. It's the time that I'm getting to know the new characters. I'm getting to finalise the the plot in my head and the plan. And I always think of that as my sandpit. And I'll often say um, I can put aliens, you know, landing in Chapter 37 if I want to. It's up (laughs) to me. I can do whatever I want. It's my freedom. I understand that in draft two, I'm going to have to take them out again. Yeah. But... In draft one, I can do whatever I want. It's it's just me and yeah, the story. Yeah. 
And yeah. there's that intimacy at that stage. Um, and that's what I love. I love to to just write it with, with my pencils. And it doesn't matter how many times I do it, there is still a sense of excitement when I start off with my new notepads, my new pack of pencils, and, you know, ready to start another journey. And that excitement just doesn't go away. <laughs> Amazing. I, I can't believe. So you write the whole, is it just the first draft that you do by hand? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do the first draft by hand. So that normally comes out at uh, normally around 70,000 words. Wow. <laughs> and while I'm writing it, my partner, Julie, um, is typing it. So that by oh. the time I get to the end of writing the first draft, um, the you know, there's already some typed chapters for me to start on. And oh, I start perfect. then going through and changing you know, um, and, and doing the second draft. So, and that's where I take the aliens out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that, that's a great system you've got going where it, it's already ready for you on the, cause it would be, it would have been like sort of slowing the process a lot if you then had to type it all up off the note of the, uh, the notes. <laughs> it would. Yeah. And that would make the second draft, a, a, a you know, a real, a real long part yeah. of it because <laughs> when you type for a long, long time, um, because before, you know, I was able to write for a living, I did a lot of typing in the day job mm. and it can become quite tiresome after a bit. You start thinking, oh, I'll leave that entire chapter out because I just don't want to type it, you know. So <laughs> you, 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 you sort of type 17 chapters, your fingers, it's like, now leave that one out. It's not as good as I thought. So we'll just be that completely. Um <laughs> So it's uh, it's great to be able to start the second part of the process as soon as I finish the first part and I, I can just go straight into it and, and start weeding out what I, I don't like and adding in, you know, ideas I've had since or, you know, reshaping it ready yeah, uh, yeah, for the yeah. third draft, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, a good read through and, and check of everything and, um just finalizing everything and then the fourth final read through before it goes off to uh my editor claire at bookature okay okay so, so talking of bookature uh I'm, I'm right in thinking you you aren't represented by a literary agent no i'm not so how did the how did the deal the initial deal at bookature was a four book deal how did that come about yeah. That came about because um, I was at one point represented by um, an agent mm -hmm. and it, it was not a positive experience um, for me at all. Um, and that was for about two years. And the lady I worked with there named Keshni, she was um, a reader for the agency and it was her that, you know, read Silent Scream in the first place. Um we had a great relationship, um, but obviously when I was dropped, um, you know, we, we weren't in touch after that. Yeah. And it was at that point that Julie and I um, were at the, the worst point in our lives. Um, I'd taken voluntary redundancy from a place. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'd worked for 19 years to give the writing thing a go. Um, and it had failed miserably and I couldn't get a job. So we were selling our possessions to pay the mortgage and uh, borrowing money from family members just to pay bills. And it was it was our darkest time. We've we've never been in such a poor financial situation. <coughs> Excuse me. And I finally got a job working 12 hour night shifts in an alarm receiving centre. And a week or so after starting that job, I received an email from Keshney, the reader, um, who had left the agency. And she said that she had sent Silent Screen to a young and dynamic uh, digital first publisher. And she hoped I didn't mind. And at that point, um, because of what we'd been through with being dropped by the agent and the financial problems, I couldn't actually hope that they were going to like it because I conditioned myself that I was just going to make this job work, put the writing, you know, on the back burner for a while and and, and just focus on being able to pay the bills. Um, and that was how it started. She sent it into Bookature without me knowing. And luckily they loved it and um, asked me for other ideas, by which time three books were written um, because I'd been working with the agent. And so they offered me a four-book deal, and it was amazing. <laughs> wow. What an, incredible, what an incredible story. What a great comeback story as well. So, for, for, well, I mean, we're obviously on 16 books now. That four-book deal... I obviously had a lot of success we, you know, over a million copies sold of Silent Scream. At what point does that become? A, I've never heard of a 12 book deal before, realistically. When did that become a 12 book yeah. deal? <laughs> <laughs> well, what what happened was it was um, when Silent Scream did so, uh, did, you know, so much better than any of us expected it to do. Yeah. It was sort of like at that point, that I started to get emails and contact from agents and publishers um, wanting, showing an interest. And, yeah. you know, the, these people have been rejecting me for 25 years and Bookature had given me a chance. And so I told Oliver that, you know, the founder of Bookature, um, that I was get, getting the these emails and phone calls and things and he said well you know what do you want to do do you want to sign for another four with us and I said absolutely um so I signed for another four and then as we got to the end of that I signed for another eight and then <laughs> as we approached the end of uh, that um Claire my editor said well you know what 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 do you want to do now? I said, well, you know, obviously we want to sign for some more. And she said, how many? I said eight. She said, well, I was hoping for double figures. And I said, well, <laughs> let's go 12 then. 
And she's like, okay, fantastic. Because I don't want to be published by anybody else because loyalty yeah. is hugely, hugely important to me. Bookature were the first publishers to give me an opportunity to achieve the dream of writing for a living. Everything has far, far surpassed the dreams that I had, mm-hmm. but they made everything I'd ever wanted come true. So who could do any better for me than that? Yeah. There isn't yeah. anybody. So what would be the point in going elsewhere? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have a fantastic relationship with Bookature. I don't need an agent in the way. Everything is transparent. I can email any member of the team at any time, and that's always been the case. Um so there's, there's nothing for an agent to add and there's nothing that any other publisher could do any better for, for, for me and the way, you know, I like to write with doing two books a year. Yeah. Um, then Bookature do so. There's there's no benefit to me to look elsewhere for anything else, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And uh, so Bookature is, is uh, part of Hachette. Is was it through Bookature? Did they you because you also is it the physical copies that are published through Little Brown, which is also part of Hachette? Yes, yes. Okay, so that that uh, sort of book- happens as an aside through Bookature, kind of yeah. sorted that out for you. Yeah, because Bookature wasn't at, um, owned by Hachette when I joined them. Bookature oh. when I when I joined, <clears throat> excuse me, was three people, which was Oliver, <laughs> um, Claire, the publishing director, and Kim Nash, the publicity manager and then Keshine, the lady who'd sent um silent scream into bookature came on board as my editor and we worked on the first eight books together um so bookature was a, a, a you know it was a very small concern it was just yeah. uh four four people um and they published some books uh so that you know they were already up, up, up and running uh but i was the first crime book that they published um it's grown obviously a uh, you know substantially yeah. um, over, over the years and he's now part of Hachette um as you say and, and they publish the uh paperbacks but um I'm I, I kind of do think of myself as a digital first author yeah. um the dream obviously was you know many many years ago was to see the books on shelves and uh, that kind of thing, which is great. It, it's all very nice when you do see the books on shelves and people send you photos. But my market is the digital market. And I've always said um, the paperback sales pay for the electricity, but it's the ebooks that pay the mortgage. <laughs> so, you know, I'm more than happy being a digital first publisher. That suits me fine. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, you know, it just it just makes sense, and that there's no sort of it's yes, it's lovely to hold the physical copy of the book and see it on the shelf, but uh, the digital one's so readily accessible on so many different platforms and mediums, so it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I do, you know, I get um, the paperbacks of all the books, and you know, it's lovely to see them there, and you know, I was lucky enough to you know going to the shops and see them on the shelves and waterstones are fabulous uh incredibly supportive but it's it's i suppose traditional publishing in a way is is a bit slow for me because 
I'm terrible. If I got a book to write every year or 18 months, I'd do nothing for eight or nine months and then rush it all right, right at the end no. with doing two books a year. There's a system which keeps me busy all, all of the time. <laughs> so yeah. I don't get chance yeah. to just, oh, you know, I'll wait a couple of months. I'll take a few months off. Um, so, you know, as I say, the, the, the way it works with book mature suits me perfectly. So I always think, if the 25 years of rejection were because it needed to lead to this, then that's fine. I get it. It's, you know, that works yeah. um, because I'm very happy doing what I do the way that I do it with Bookature, which, of course, when I started, you know, submitting, I think Oliver, who founded Bookature, was probably a teenager or something. <laughs> so, you know, he had to have chance to cook yeah. up. Uh, Bookature and uh, it, it really was meant to be so they're a fabulous publisher and uh, like I said I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to work with anyone else amazing well so- sounds absolutely amazing and uh before I just have one more question before we get on to the the, the final question which is six so uh, book 16 comes out later this year in May uh do you have any plans to write maybe uh something that's not um detective kimstone maybe go back to your sort of pre-crime roots or anything like that or are you just going to stick with the crime procedurals now i think i'd never say never about writing something else because you never Mm. know when something's going to strike you to the degree that you just have to get it down yeah yeah Um, it's not it's not a plan to do anything because doing the two books a year is is quite full on and mm-hmm. it does mean sort of like that every month is kind of accounted for with whether it be writing the new book or editing the one that's just been written yeah um so it's it's quite full on but i'd never say i'd i'd, I'd never i'd never say never you never know when an idea <laughs> might come think, oh, hang on i've got to put aside an hour a day to work on that idea so i'd never say never <laughs> <laughs> amazing okay cool well, that brings us to the final question, which is, as always, Angela, if you were stranded on a desert island with one book, which book would it be? It would be Disclosure by Michael Crichton. Okay. Which is probably going to be a very strange choice, but it is the first book that actually caused me to call in sick for work um, <laughs> some years ago because I literally could not put the book down. And the a film was made, you know, of, of it with Demi Moore and whatever. And and it was a it was a travesty of the actual book. The book was <laughs> so much um. more and so so much deeper. Um I reread the book so that I could understand what it was that made me have to keep reading if you know what I mean yeah and it was the way that he posed the questions and answered them and that kind of thing um but that that would be the book because I I just I could not literally move take it out of my own hands I didn't have the willpower to go to sleep and so I had to phone in sick the next day so it would be a disclosure by Michael Crichton what a brilliant choice I think that's the first Michael Crichton we've had on the on, on the desert island as well um, just... <laughs> it's so unlike his other books isn't it <laughs> <laughs> but he's so like it's so clever like it, even just Jurassic Park which is one of my favorite books and films of all time yeah. and it's just when you see like the the way that each char- 
character represents a full like philosophy and theme and then the way that Absolutely. their positions to challenge each other it's he's just so clever <laughs> he, he, he's such a clever writer as I say I literally could not put put that book down so yeah I amazing. think he's I think he's amazing amazing well thank you so much Angela for coming on the podcast and and chatting with me and, and sharing your experiences with uh, with everyone listening it's been really great chatting with you no, it's been lovely. Thank you. That That's flown by that ass. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for everyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Angela is doing, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at writeangie. Follow her on Facebook uh, at Angela Marsons Author or head over to the website angelamarsons-books.com. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks so much to Angela and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.